rather than from the Word. I think Mark prepares from the Word. I tend to prepare the other way around and come to the Word from what, what God has given me. I've been thinking a little bit about tuning in to, to God, tuning into the Spirit. And you can see that in a sense of uh, tuning a radio, but I wasn't thinking in terms of, of tuning a radio. I've been thinking in terms of an instrument. As, as you've seen, recently I've started to play a viola. Again, it's not a fiddle. It's a viola. Just put that, you know, let's put that one to bed. It's not a fiddle, it's a viola. A fiddle is a very, you know, it's a violin played in a certain style, which I can't do. So, um, but, so um, I'm talking a little bit from my upbringing as a, as a, as a string player. I, I, when I was younger, I had to learn, I had to learn to play the violin and, and go to orchestras and take exams and all that kind of thing. But you do learn stuff on the way. But the, what I was thinking was that in, in preparing, I need to tune myself into what God is saying. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, some of our instrumentalists, you know, they look like they're texting and playing the guitar at the same time. Have you noticed that if you're here early enough in the morning? Have you noticed that? You think, well, how come they're texting and going ding, 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 ding. What they're actually doing is tuning. They've got a tuner on their phone. They're not texting. And so they're looking at the tuner, and it's got a little thing that tells them when the string is in or whatever the tuning is in. So, it, you know, it goes down, and it comes up, and then it's in tune, and off they go. And it's very important that their instrument is in tune if they're going to play with others. And often, the, the, when you play an instrument, you often do play with others. You may be a soloist, but you have to be very good to be a soloist. But you tend to be playing with others or playing with people singing. So you, you need to have your instrument in tune, and that's quite important. And so I was thinking, I was praying, Lord, I want to be in tune. Uh, perhaps sometimes you feel like you can get a bit flabby over the Easter period or whatever, or some period where, you know, you just can let things slip a little bit. Uh, but I was tuning in, and, and, you know, we can tune in by listening to the Spirit and by reading the Word. And so that, that's what I was thinking about. But I started to think about the whole thing of, of playing an instrument. Because as a teenager, I used to play in various orchestras, uh, at school, yes, but across the town we had, you know, uh, a junior orchestra, then an intermediate orchestra, then a youth orchestra in Wolverhampton that I was a part of. Um, and the way it works, particularly as a string player, you, you come in at the bottom of the, universe, uh, the orchestra as a very junior member playing a second violin, because I was a violinist, playing a second violin on the back row, right at the back, and you gradually, hopefully, work your way up through the seconds, get promoted to the first violins, and you work up through, and then you get promoted to the next orchestra, and it's not, again, you start at the back of the second violins, work up, and, and, and so it goes on. And different people are playing different instruments. And it was interesting that Oliver's talking about the variety of creation, because I've been thinking about the variety of instruments there are as well, because I, I'm a violinist, um, and violinists tend to play most of the time. If you watch an orchestra, the violinists are always kind of soaring away, uh, playing lots of things, but not every instrument plays all the time. Uh, I was, I've been thinking about a triangle player. I, was, I don't know why I've got such an affinity for a triangle player this week, but I've been thinking about a triangle player. A triangle player doesn't play very much in an orchestral piece. He may have the odd ting to do. You know, they've written that song for him, Don't Worry About a Ting, because every little ting's going to be okay. You know that song by Bob Marley about a triangle player? Did you know it was about a triangle player? Okay, it's about a triangle player. So anyway, so the thing that struck me about a triangle player is he's got to learn to count really, or she has got to learn to count really well. Because when you're, when you're in an orchestra playing, you know, there's bars going through. So if you're not musical, please forgive me. I, I am going somewhere with this. But, you, you know, you start off at bar one and it goes through. And he may not play till bar 133. 
So he's got to count off if it's in four, four time. He's got to go one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three. In his head, of course, we don't want to hear him. <laughs> Counting this out gets a bit tedious. But, and I was just thinking, what happens if he gets distracted and sees, you know, sees someone in the audience? Oh, yeah, I didn't realise so-and-so was here. Oh, dear, where have I got to? Was it 10, 2, 3, 4, or 11, 2, 3? I know what I'll do. I'll start again. 1, 2, 3, 4, 2. How many know that if he starts again, he's going to play in the wrong place? He might only have two tings in the whole thing, and if he gets his counting wrong, he's missed it completely. And that's a bit of a silly example. But all the instruments are playing different parts and playing at different times, and not all instruments play at the same time. You've got a piece of music where a, a, a composer has written, and he wants this orchestra. I'm talking about orchestras because my experience of orchestras, I wasn't in a rock band, so I can't talk about them. I'll get someone else to talk about them another time. But I was an orchestra. So we, we want to express the heart of the composer to play his music with harmony. And that's a key for us today, with harmony. We're playing harmoniously to express the heart. So first of all, I need to be tuned up myself as a violinist before the thing where everyone's tuning. You hear that in the little room at the back somewhere, everyone's going, and tuning their instruments up, you know, and getting ready. Um, often, we didn't use to have tuners in those days. Often the orchestra will tune to the oboe. The oboe plays an A because somehow the oboe is in tune all the time. So it plays an A and then everybody tunes to that. But I was thinking, we do need to be in tune, if you like, with, with God and with the Spirit. And if we're in tune with the Spirit, we'll be in tune with everybody else, won't we, in ourselves. But the key thing is, again, the key thing is I use that word advisedly, we need to know what key we're in. Because if the orchestra is playing in E-flat and I'm playing in D-sharp, well, that's too, too close, isn't it, really? It's the same thing. If, if the orchestra is playing in E-flat and I'm playing in C, I'm going to be out of tune with everybody else because I'm playing in the wrong key. Okay? And we have quite a lot of, You might not realise this. You might not realise you've sung in different keys this morning. I'm not sure what keys. Flick, what keys have we sung in this morning? E, G, and A. You've sung in E, G, and A this morning. And as I sing, you don't really need to know that, do you? Because your voice will just adapt to what the band's doing. But as an instrumentalist, it's quite important. And each instrument has different keys that they can play in easily. For me, C, because there's no sharps or flats. But other instruments have different ones, and, and they have their own preferred keys. But we all need to be playing in the same key. But we also need to be playing at the same time. And there's a thing, I don't know if anyone played in an orchestral instrument or can guess what that means, but there's a saying that said, W-T-S. Does anyone know what WTS means in an orchestral setting? Annette? WTS, watch the stick. Watch the stick. The conductor, watch the stick. So he's going to show us the time we're playing in. And we have to play in the same. Because if, if he's playing, you know, a slow, uh, one, two, three, four, and I decide I'm going to play, I don't like that slow. I like playing a bit faster than that. So I start to play. We're going to have a cacophony. It's not going to express the heart of the composer. So WTS. We all have a composer. Sorry, not, we have, well, we have a composer, God. He, he composed us. He's got music for us to play. But there is a conductor. And he wants us to talk. The Holy Spirit is our conductor. And we need to watch him and listen to him. Saying, what key are we in at the moment? It's interesting, Olive reminded us that Mike sends this email out to us as a church during the week. It's almost saying, this is the key we're going to be worshipping in this, this, this week. It's about uh, looking at nature and the beauty of nature. And, and here's a song you can listen to help you be into that key, if you like. 
ready to worship together. But, you know, it, it, just, it breaks down a little bit because it's a metaphor. But we just need to be listening, I think, to, to the Holy Spirit to know, firstly, that I'm tuned myself. But secondly, that I'm in the right key. I'm in the same key as everybody else. Because if we all come in in the morning in the church and we're all in different keys, it, there's going to be a cacophony. And if we're all at different time scales, you know, that old thing about what's the time, Mr. Wolf? It's not what's the time, Mr. Wolf, but what's the time, Holy Spirit? What is, what is your time now? What are you doing? What, what, what's happening now? Because it's not always the same time and things aren't always happening in the same way. And we just need to be alert and listening. Because what an orchestra is wanting to do is play in harmony to reflect the composer's heart. What a church is wanting to do is to work in harmony to reflect the Father's heart. I'm not standing in front of the speaker, so it beeps. Okay, that, that was me doing it. You see what I'm saying? And I want to talk a little bit this morning about the church and about the church working in harmony. The church expressing the heart of the Creator. Because that's what we're here to do, isn't it? So... Father, just help me now to talk about this. You've got things to say. Okay, so I'd like to turn us first and foremost to Ephesians 2. And as I say, I'm thinking about the church. And, 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 and I want you to kind of come with fresh eyes to this. You think, oh, you know, I know about the church. I've been in a church for 300 years. I know, what, I know everything there is to know. You can't say anything new today that's going to, you know, you won't say anything new. I've heard it all before. Well, I'm sorry for you if that's your case. But um, let's look with fresh eyes at the word. Because this is how we tune ourselves. This is how we find out what key we're in. This is how we find what the time signature is. Okay? I, I must confess, you know, I'm telling you about being an orchestra. You've probably got a very uh, lovely view of me being a string player. Um, my problem was... I didn't really used to practice very much. And the most famous quote that was said about me by quite a serious young man, actually, he said to me, Roger, I don't think you're taking this seriously. You're right. I'm not. But I have learned some things. So, so um, that, that was the other thing I meant to say, is as a string player, I have to practice the piece before I get there. It's no good me practicing during the rehearsal. I need to be able to play the music that's set before me. And there's a sense that some of us need to make preparation, make practice before we come together into the church. But that's an aside. But let me look at this, Ephesians 2. If you've been at the Bible school, you think, oh, no, he's not on about Ephesians again, is he? <laughs> oh, you were arrested, weren't you? <laughs> Cat found you out. But, yeah, this is what God was saying to me, even though I did talk a lot about Ephesians at the Bible school recently. So, 2. Chapter 2 and verse 18. This is, he's been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, how they're one in Christ. And, and he's going on to talk about this. It says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's Jews and Gentiles. So then, and then this is talking to, to, to you, to us, to the Gentiles. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens. Hooray. Aren't you glad you're no longer a stranger and an alien to God? Aren't you glad you're no longer a stranger and alien to God? They're very quiet. We're kind of a quiet church. It isn't a quiet time. You can shout if you like. Isn't it good that we're no longer strangers and aliens? Amen. It is good, yes. 
But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom? In whom? In whom? The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then this verse 22 is incredible. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In him, you also are being dwelt together, sorry, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Just a quick aside, I'm not talking about church meetings per se here. I'm not talking about the Sunday morning meeting. I'm talking about the church. Okay, so if you think of this as the church, it's the church gathered, as Marcus said. This is the church gathered, and there's the church gathered. But the church isn't just a meeting or a place or a building. The church is much more than that. And that's what I want to get you to see, or you probably do see, but encourage you back in again. So let, let me just pick up some things in here, just to kind of... Um, I'm going to go through a couple of chapters, a couple of verses, a couple of passages, and just pick things out for you. So, uh, members of the household of God. You are members of the household of God. Pretty amazing, isn't it? You thought you were just a bod walking through life, doing your own thing, but you're a member of the household of God. And that you're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, or the word there is chief cornerstone, or in the head of the corner. I'll talk about that in a minute. And it says, in, in him, the whole structure is joined and grows into a holy temple. Now, I don't know what you th think when you hear the temple. You know, the temple was in Jerusalem, and it was a structure. Um, and it doesn't use the word there for the whole structure of the temple. Um, all the, the kind of uh, parts to it. It uses the word for the holy of holies. Naos, the Greek word is. It says, um, so the whole is being joined together, grows into a holy temple. So the church is growing into, a it's a structure, it's going into a place where God dwells by his spirit. It's the holy of holies. It's not all the kind of, the, 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 the bits on the extremity. So let's, let's bear that in mind. So it's a holy temple. It's built together. And it's a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So somehow, amazingly, the fact that we've, we've come to Christ, we're in Christ, we're now in the church, which is being built into a temple, a place for his dwelling on earth. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God wanted a people he could dwell with. He wanted to dwell amongst his people. That's why he had the, he had the ark, he had the... The, uh, the, the tabernacle, he had the temple, um, all the time looking. And it comes to fulfillment in the church, in the, new, in the church age, in, in Christ. In Christ, we're all in him. We're being built into a place where he can dwell by his spirit. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? If you look at Isaiah 28, this is uh, an Old Testament reference sorry, in Isaiah. 16 and 17, this is headed in my Bible at 14, a cornerstone in Zion. And I'm just going to read slightly before. It's talking about the people, they've, they've said they're, going to, they're, they're safe. It says they're, they're, they're kind of making out that they're safe. It says we've found a refuge 
uh, just before 6 says, For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Then it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who was laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overwhelm the shelter. And from this I just want to pick up. He's talking about making a stone, a foundation in Zion. And it says it's a stone, a tested stone. the, The word there, tested, means it's tested and proven. So the foundation is tested and it's proven as a foundation stone. Um, it's obviously talking about. It's obviously talking about Jesus. Yeah, it's talking about Jesus, the foundation stone. And it says um, he's made him a chief cornerstone. Okay, or head of the corner. And in 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 my Bible on my PDA, it kind of gives me three things about this. It talks about it's the honour of his position in the building. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the chief in the building. He's the Lord. He's the head. He has the highest honor in the building. But it also says, it talks about the way in which each stone is fitted into him and finds its true place and usefulness um, in him. I'll read that again because I got a bit distracted, sorry. It talks about the way in which each stone is fitted into him and finds true place and usefulness in him. And then, lastly, it says, it's the stone set in the foundations at the corner to bind all together and to give the walls their line. So Jesus, we saw that in Ephesians, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is a precious cornerstone, a tested cornerstone. But what he's doing, it's, it's like with all these pictures. When you start to see a picture of a building and foundations, you've got a certain picture in your mind, perhaps. But because it's spiritual, it kind of doesn't quite work according to the, uh, according to the um, to your metaphor, as it were. So let's have a look as well at 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. I've put little stickies in where, where I'm supposed to go, and I'm still flicking through trying to find it. Here you go. Okay. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. So this is just, just getting together some facts, really, of, of, what, of what he wants to, wants to talk about in a minute. So, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone. He's talking about Jesus. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones. So, it's interesting, isn't it? Coming to Jesus, a living stone. You yourselves are like living stones. So we're like him. We're like him, aren't we? So you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, and we've just read it, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, 
and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. I'll read that again. You kind of have to have your teeth in when you read that. Otherwise, you kind of stumble a bit. It says um, that we're to proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So just picking out things there, we're, we're living stones being built up into a spiritual house. We're a holy priesthood to make spiritual sacrifices. And it talks about we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his possession, that we may proclaim the excellences of him, sorry, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you beginning to get a picture? You know, we can have a, a really negative view of church and we can give it, you know, a bit of kosh. It's easy to kosh the church, isn't it? And say, oh, church is rubbish. It's not doing much. There's nothing. All hypocrites. Blah, 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 blah. That's, that's not what, how God sees it. God sees his church as quite important. It's not just buildings, as I've said, it's, but it's people in Christ, knitted together, built together to be a living sacrifice, to show forth his excellencies, to be a place where he lives by his spirit. Yeah? It's obviously quite important to God, isn't it? Yeah? One of the things I've seen, actually, over my life, is that we tend to think it's the church that's really important. Or it's reaching the lost that's really important. We need to reach the lost. We need to build the church. No, we need to reach... And I've, you know, coming from uni, I was very much of a, we need to reach the lost. And I went to, to Norwich and bumped into someone who, who just helped me to see the church. And all of a sudden, yeah, I can see the church now. Church is so important. And I was arguing with people who were arguing what I was arguing a couple of years ago. I'm not arguing with, you know, no, no, it's building. No, 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 it's reaching. It's both. The heartbeat of God. Lub-dub. Lub-dub. Build the church, reach the lost. Build the church, reach the lost. Build the church, reach the lost. If we, we don't want a regular heartbeat, build the church. Build the church. It even sounds boring, doesn't it? Or reach a lost. It's the two together. Yeah. It's the two together. That's God's heart. That the church grows. Not just uh, immaturity, that's part of it, but it grows numerically as well. And I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church. You know, of, as all the believers in Christ. Because I don't know about you, but um, in Cambridge, I, I'm part of this church, but I also relate to other people in other churches, and, and it's still church. Isn't it? And it's so important. It's great that we go out in the street. We work with the guys, the girls from Wyman. They're fantastic. We've been working with them over the last few months. And Connie was away for a couple of weeks. And still her girls from the Bible school came. And they were, it was like having Connie amongst us, really. They, was, they carried her heart. So it's really good. And, and on, 
We go down to my house and we worship with, um, you know, for me, from someone from the Church of England. I left the Church of England when I was 18 and never to go back. But here I am in a Church of England church with a priest. I mean, we're all priests. Yeah. I don't even believe in priests like that. I, we're all, you know, she, uh, Helen said to me, bless her, she said, you, Roger, you should become a priest. I said, I already am a priest. <laughs> I know that's a bit facetious, but I don't know what she's saying. But, you know, here's me going into everything I hold undear. Going, you know, I hate all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I do, because I've, I've seen it as a child and it didn't work for me because, I, because of my heart, not because of that. My heart, unborn again, unregenerate, singing in the choir, you know, as an unregenerate person. It doesn't really work. You know, it doesn't work and didn't work for me. So I've turned my back, but here I am finding that I'm involved again. So I'm talking about the church, if you like, across the, across the city, across the nation. And we need to find one another again. Don't we, don't we? There's one or two people around, and I won't mention them, but who are really good at just relating all the time to different people, different places. And it's so important to network together. Mark was telling us, wasn't he, last week, or the, so a few weeks ago, about it being in the Pret-a-Manger, which isn't French, by the way. I said it was French and got slapped. It's not French. just sounds French. Why would you call it French name if it's not French? But there we go. Never mind. Um, you know, with the Salvation Army guy and a Methodist guy talking about Jesus. And people listening, you know, and we can come together around Jesus because it's in him. You know, it's not that we go to the, you know, let's talk about Jesus because it's the lowest common denominator. It's not, it's the highest common denominator. The highest thing is Jesus, isn't it? You know, because when I've been looking at this thing about the foundation, there's a bit of a dispute as to what the cornerstone actually means. Because some say it's like the head of the corner, the top stone. Some say it's in the foundation. And they don't necessarily know where it is. They just know, you know, what it does. And it's, Jesus is, is, you know, you can't pin him down, can you? You can't pin him down because he's so much bigger and greater and be- more beautiful than anything we can say or think. So anyone in Christ is part of the church and we can relate to them. And it's important we do because for me, I don't think Christ is coming. We sang that song about when he comes back, the bride will come together. There needs to be some coming together of the bride before that happens. The bride needs to start coming together now and getting herself ready. It talks about the bride gets herself ready and the fine linen that she wears is the good works of the saints. We can actually do good works now, can't we? We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to do good works because actually, um, you know, there's good works around us that we need to be walking in, isn't there? Doesn't there? Yeah. Okay, so the church is made up of living stones, which is us. Um, There's a cafe in town called Living Stones. They've obviously got the picture. Um, And we're being built into a spiritual house. We're being built together. So let, let me just think about this. It starts with our relationship with Jesus. We are in him. We are in his body. He has made us living stones like him. And he has placed each one of us in the body in the right place. I'll say that again. He has placed each one of us in the body, in the right place. When I get into the right place, I'm going to be fantastic for Jesus. But I'm not in the right place at the moment, so I can't be. Rubbish. <laughs> it is though, isn't it? He has placed you in the right place. You're in the right place. So you can't be worrying, am I in the right place? I'm in the wrong place. We just need to get on with what we're doing. And if we are in the wrong place, probably perchance, he will get us into the right place. Now that we're in the right place, we have to grow into him and be built together. Talks about closeness, harmony, and working together. 
So that's what we're about. That's why I use all the analogies of the orchestra. You know, playing together the symphony. I forget what that word means, actually. That's quite a good word, isn't it? It's, a, uh, it's used in the Bible, isn't it, the word symphony? I can't remember where. But we are to be a symphony. We, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, we're to express him. So that's what we're to do. It's all about the harmony words and that kind of thing. But the problem is it doesn't just happen, does it? It doesn't just happen. We don't naturally get on with people on the whole. You, I mean, sorry, I'm talking about myself. You guys, you guys, people like Bob, you know, you, you know, who could not get on with Bob? Half of England, but, you know. <laughs> no, sorry, Bob. Um, he's told me I've only got an hour, actually, and I don't, I don't know when I started, so I'll have an hour from now, if that's all right. <laughs> I've lost count like the triangle player. Okay, so... I want to think a little bit of how we work this out, how we make this happen. How does God make this happen? Because, as I say, it doesn't just happen. And it tends to be that the opposite happens if we just do our own thing, doesn't it? Because that's the problem. We do our own thing. And really, we need to be doing God's thing. So let me um, look at Ephesians 4. Um, those who hear, hear me preach a lot, you just, chat, you know, I only know two parts of the Bible, I think, or is it maybe three? <laughs> <laughs> this is one of them. I'm always talking about this, but I think it's on my heart. So I'm going to read a bit of a chunk with comments. So, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Bearing with one another in love. That's all easy, isn't it? It's all easy. And it says, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have a unity of the Spirit that we need to maintain. We have a unity. We are one in the Spirit. And we need to maintain it. How do we maintain it? I think he's probably just told us, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Those are all the things we like, isn't it? We like those things. You know, we like to talk about them. You know. we, but that's what it takes. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I'll come back to some of those probably. So, and then if we read on, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's lots of ones there, isn't there? Yep. Lots of ones. Talking about oneness. We all have these one things. You know, why are we so divided when we have all these one things? You know, one. Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. You know, it's silly, isn't it, that we get so divided over rubbish. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, some people like to put the collars on backwards. Some people don't. It's a, it's a nonsense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These things are the things that are important and that we need to major in. And then, sorry, that's my little rant. rant sorry. But seven, but grace was given to what? to each one of us according to the measure of God's gift. 
Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of God's gift. And then I want to move down to 11 because um, it just talks a little bit about Jesus. Jesus then giving the gifts. And he gave, this is what Jesus did, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. You all are being equipped for the work of ministry. Did you want a ministry? You don't, Rosie doesn't. You've been, caught, you've been caught like this before. What does ministry mean? Really, ministry just means service. Serving one another. We've been equipped to serve one another. You know, people come and say, my ministry this and my ministry that. It's rubbish. Just shut up. Go away. <laughs> it's rubbish, isn't it? Because ministry is about serving. And if you are one of these uh, Ephesians 4's ministries, your job is to equip others. To, um, and, so, and so if you look at why, so it says, uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, so serve with one another, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's a good thing. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So, as we serve one another, as we build each other up, good things happen to the church, we, we attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, and then we have to do this speaking the truth in love. We have to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Do you know what the joint with which it is equipped is? What's the joint? with which it is equipped. It's not talking about roast beef. Is it? What's the joint that is equipped? Shout it. Love, yeah. It's us. We're all the joints. Every joint with which it is equipped. That's us. That's you. It's joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, then it tells us, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What does the body do? Builds itself up in love. So as each part with which it is equipped, you're one of those parts, plays its part, the body is built up and it equips itself. Is that right, Bob? Have you got, have you got a bit of a, have I got it wrong? That's a good one, that's good. He had a bit of a frown on his face. I thought, oh no. I've, uh, I've upset the resident theologian. Sorry. <laughs> so every part plays its part. The body builds itself. That's what I'm trying to get to you. You know, we're not just in the church to come and sit on our bottoms. Every. <laughs> every yeah, used to, if I can be a little bit ruder. We used to, there was a gentleman we used to know who used to call, uh, it was from Norfolk, or no, it was from Cambridgeshire. So he used to call them poos. You know the, the pews, the poos? Yes. So he said, we don't just want people to be poo fillers. 
<laughs> Not a very nice image, is it, of a poo filler? But we don't want people to be poo fillers. We don't want you to be poo fillers. Don't not just to sit on your bottoms thinking, well, we've got Mark and Roger and a few others and we'll be fine. But we'll get nowhere with just Mark and Roger and a few others and we'll be fine. It needs everybody to play their part and to bring what they have to build up the whole. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Will you do it? You will. Fantastic. So your part is to serve one another in love. That's not too difficult, is it? Hey. It's quite difficult, actually, isn't it? <laughs> in fact, it's very hard. Without the Spirit, you can't do it. That's right. It's very hard. So we need the Holy Spirit. But that's what he's wanting us to do. And I just want to um, think about this a little bit. Because... Again, if you've heard me speak a little bit, I, I talk sometimes about Barnabas. I want to just remind you about Barnabas because I think he exemplifies what I'm wanting to say to you and how we need to be. Barnabas, um, they called him the son... Well, his name wasn't Barnabas, actually. His name was Joseph, I think. Um, I can't, uh, but they called him Barnabas because he was, a, he was the son of consolation. That's what Barnabas means, son of consolation. Or I've seen it said the son of a prophet or the son of prophecy. Because he was so encouraging, they said, we're calling Barnabas, son of exhortation, son of consolation, son of encouragement. So, we first see him in Acts when they're selling all their land and stuff and giving, laying it at the, at the apostles' feet. Remember that bit? And then, so Barnabas does that. And then Ananias and Sapphira do the same, but they keep stuff back and they die because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay, you remember that bit? But... It comes to the fore, and for me, it's always been a challenge, because uh, remember Saul? Saul, the Apostle Paul, or Saul? How he was persecuting the church, and getting people, he was there at the death of Stephen, when he was stoned, and he was persecuting the church. So he was quite a, quite a, uh, a nasty character, if you like. Um, he was zealous for God, but he was doing the wrong thing, because he was persecuting the church. But he has a, a, a dramatic encounter with God on the road to Damascus. He gets uh, turned around and God speaks to him and shows him what it's going to be. And he immediately wants to be a part of what's going on. But they're really worried about him because, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, um, it's like some famous person who's persecuted people then becomes a Christian. He wants to become part of the church. They don't want anything to do with him. But it says, but Barnabas took him and introduced him to the people and told him he's okay, he's good, this is what's happened to him. And so, um, basically, he becomes a part, but he's still a bit radical because he's refuting the Jews and, and things are all up in the air. So the disciples decide to send him to, uh, I think it's to Tarsus. It is to Tarsus, yeah. Okay. I have read this, honest, but things slip my mind sometimes. <laughs> Tarsus. Then, then things move on and the church carries on growing and we get people moving to Antioch and talking about Jesus and it's interesting that the people that were at Antioch talking about Jesus and starting a, a fantastic church there weren't the apostles. They were just the hoi polloi. Do you know who the hoi polloi are? I'm the hoi, he's the polloi. They were just the normal people. Okay, just the normal people going around the business, having to move because of persecution, but talking about Jesus. And such that in Antioch, um, Jews and Gentiles believe. And things started to happen there. And when the apostles heard about it, they were encouraged, but they thought, How we, what can we do? So they send Barnabas there, and it says that he went there and he was, he was really encouraged because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. 
and he encouraged them. But then what he did, he was going to stay there to encourage the church. He went to Tarsus to get Saul and brought him back. And the two of them worked together to build up the church. So that by Acts 13, it says in the uh, church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and it names them. Barnabas was the first one. Uh, there was three others, and, and Saul. I'm not sure what it calls him Saul or Paul there, actually, but was, was the last of the list. So he was, there was basically, Barnabas was the important one. Saul was at the end of the list. As they're worshipping and praying, the Holy Spirit uh, says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the church, went down to Cyprus. Um, and it's Barnabas. Barnabas is the chief man. He's the head honcho. Saul is just his helper. But something happens in the presence of, um, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the pro council, I think, or someone. And basically, Saul deals with the issue. And from then on, it's like he steps up into something. From then on, it's always Paul and Barnabas. And if you look in your Bible, from then on, it's always Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas did this. Paul and Barnabas did that. Paul and Barnabas did the other. Lots of great things that happened. Lots of churches planted. Uh, and it was really good. But it's really good for me that Barnabas was integral in bringing Saul, Paul, into his ministry. But that when he was released into his ministry, serving, don't forget, <laughs> when he was released into that, he didn't kind of hold him back. He, you know, worked with him, and it, it was great. And it's interesting that lots of things happen. Uh, they go up to Jerusalem over a dispute about whether Jews have to be circ- uh, Gentiles have to be circumcised, all that kind of thing. But then there's a dispute uh, on the second um, on the second journey. Paul wants to go again to, 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 to strengthen the churches, and Barnabas says that's great. But let's take with us Mark. There's a guy called John Mark who, if you look back into Acts 13, he was with them in the first place, but he left them very quickly. He deserted them, basically, went back to Antioch. So he really let them down. Barnabas wanted to take him again. And Paul didn't want to take him because he'd let him down. And there was a bit of a dispute, uh, which wasn't very good. But off they go onto the travels again. And Barnabas went one way with John Mark, and Paul went another way with, with Silas then. But it's interesting. This guy, John Mark, do you know who John Mark is? This guy, John Mark, does anyone know who John Mark is? Quite famous. Sorry? He's the writer of Mark. He is the writer of Mark. And even Paul said, I think it's in 2 Timothy, send me John Mark because he is useful. (laughs) Barnabas again took hold of this guy, John Mark, who had let himself down. A bit like the balloon school, you know, he let himself down, you let your father down, you let the school, do you know the joke? No. Obviously, I won't tell it then. Um, He let himself down and let everyone down. But Barnabas, if you like, he could see potential in people, and he wanted people to come into that potential. And it's that reason that they had this dispute, because Saul was thinking, perhaps, I I don't really want a guy who's let us down, but Barnabas was thinking, this guy has got potential. This guy, okay, he let us down once, but he's really got potential. And he did have potential. He was useful to um, Paul in the future. He was useful to Peter, and Peter basically told him the, the gospel, which he then wrote as the gospel of Mark. Yeah? So I just believe that that's the kind of people God wants us to be, who see in others their potential, and we promote them, whether it costs us or not. There's, there's, a, there's a psalm that I, that I quote, well, I quote it a lot, but then I couldn't find it. 
it says, it's, and in fact, it's Psalm 20, verse 5. In my memory, it says, we will rejoice when you are victorious. We will lift our banners in the name of the Lord. Actually, in the Amplified, it says, um, uh, we will shout in triumph at your salvation and victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. The kind of people we need to be are the kind of people who are promoting those around us, serving those around us, with no thought of our own interest. Um, I won't take you there, because I always use this in my preach, but Philippians 2 talks about uh, making... Uh, um, I should have taken you there, but it talks about looking out for others' interests as well as your own in all humility. That's the kind of people... Uh, God wants us to be. I, again, the other person that uh, I wanted to just mention was Jonathan. You know Jonathan uh, in the Old Testament? I've been reading a book by Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary at the turn of last century. She went to Donover in, I think that's how you say it, in, in India. But she talks about going to Jonathan's wood. In other words, going to, to encourage one another. But if you remember, Jonathan was the son of Saul. This is a different Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Um, Jonathan was his son. Jonathan was going to be king after Saul. But, but God rejected Saul and wanted to choose David instead. And, and if you remember, the heart of David and Jonathan was knit together after the fighting of Goliath, and there was a bond there. But it's, it's really interesting that at one point, when Saul's wanted to kill David, he says to Jonathan, you know, you will never be king while this man is alive. You will never be king while this man is alive. Bring him to me, and I will kill him. And Jonathan said, why, sh why, sh you know, why should we kill him? It's not. But Jonathan goes to David a bit later in another chapter and says, you will be king. Jonathan said to David, you will be king and I will be next to you. And my father knows this. You know, he had the opportunity to take the kingship for himself, kill David and be king. But he knew that wasn't what God was saying. God was wanting David to be king. So he said, you will be king and I'll be next to you. Actually, it never really happened because they both got killed. Saul and Jonathan got killed on the same day, and David laments for them. But it's that same heart. It's saying, that is what I want. I would love to be or do that, but God has chosen this person, therefore I will support them and encourage them. It's about not blowing our own trumpet. I've, I've um, got a beautiful trumpet, actually. Because I've, you know, I'm going to play in a symphony soon as a trumpeter, and this is my trumpet. Beautiful. It makes a beautiful sound, doesn't it? Does that sound like a trumpet? No. Do we have a trumpeter here apart from Scott, who hasn't played for ages? When you blow your own trumpet, you sound like that. When you promote yourself, you sound like that. And it's interesting. One of the things that, um, for me, I, I've kind of, Whenever, I'm kind of sometimes have images in my head and, you know, when I'm praying, I've been often going out with the armor of God, so I put on the armor, but I've had to, I kind of put on extra bits as well because, you know, that I believe that God was giving me. So I, I had, you know, a cloak of zeal to go with it. I thought it was good. But I had a tr trumpet because I believe that God was talking to me about proclamation. I had a trumpet and also a banner. I can't remember why I had the banner. So, you know, I was really equipped. I can imagine myself really equipped. And it was one time God was saying to me, you don't need that trumpet anymore because you are a trumpet. 
you are a trumpet. He wants to play my life. He doesn't want me to blow <laughs> these little things that promote myself. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to not promote ourselves. I know we all want to be significant. We all want to be valued. We all want to be seen. But we need to find that, the fulfillment of that, in him. It's in him. When I look for my own significance, my own value to promote myself, it just sounds... <laughs> and it doesn't bring any glory. To, I suppose you could play that in a way that brought glory to God, um, but it doesn't sound like it when I do it, does it? So, we, we're to not blow our own trumpet. Facebook's a terrible one for that. You know, I've been... I'm sorry if this is you, but I, I, I have lots of friends, but most people I don't follow because they do something to me on the inside. And actually, it's because I'm not quite sorted yet. It's kind of, they're promoting themselves and it grates with me. And if I could get to a place where it didn't grate with me and I would just, okay, that's fine. But, you know, too much self-promotion. Too much self-promotion, including for myself. We need to promote one another. Don't we? We do. Okay, I've got loads of notes, but I'm not going to use them. I just want to do um, one more thing, really, because it's... I'm getting close to Bob's hour, I think. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, there. I was, I was thinking about... I was thinking about a jigsaw. We're all like, you know, this is, this is a piece of a jigsaw. It's a living stone or a jigsaw piece. Now, I probably haven't said this quite as clear as I should do. We've been uniquely made. Each one of us. You, can't, you won't find me two people in here that are the same. Okay? We're all uniquely made. We're all uniquely made to fit where God wants us to fit. You know, I was talking to, to my grandson, Leo, well, the other morning. He was saying, because uh, he sometimes comes out with these random questions. He's been watching these science things. He said to me, oh, who, who, made, who made me or something like that? And I said, oh, God, God made you. He said, well, in my mummy's in my mummy's tummy. I said, yeah. And he said, I can't, he didn't say cool, but he said something like, that's cool. I said, yeah, that is cool. And that was it, we moved on. But we're made unique, and we're made to fit. Yeah, we're living stones, not living bricks. You know, bricks need concrete in between, don't they? Bricks are all the same. Bricks are boring, aren't they, on the whole? But living stones, we're made to fit. It's like uh, they were saying about... Um, I think the Greeks and Romans used to move the stones around until they fitted, so the columns are not made out of one piece, but they're made out of lots of stones all moved around so they fit. So, so for each one of you, you've been placed in the right place and you fit in that place, okay? You have to take it by faith or something because we can feel that we don't and we can feel, you know, our feelings are rubbish, aren't they? Yeah. Our feelings are rubbish at times. They, they lie to us, you know, particularly if you're preaching, you can think, oh, I'm not getting very far. You know, you start, and then you start to try and strive to, to make it happen because you're not feeling that it's all that kind of stuff. So we're all made like, made like jigsaw pieces, aren't they? And actually, it was quite interesting that the jigsaw... Actually, funny enough, Gwen was going to give me a jigsaw uh, on Thursday night after I bought this. This is a, a jigsaw of all sorts because the church is made up of all sorts. Yeah, Gwen's jigsaw was Wes Wally. I thought I'd better not bring that because, you know, someone might take it personally. But... Um, you know, if, if I'm a jigsaw piece, I will fit. But, you know, often we don't like who we are, do we? So I think, 
Actually, I, I, now, I, I Google search this to see what these knobs and holes are called. No one knows. But I don't actually like, I don't actually like blobs in my life. So I'm going to cut them off. And actually, that's a little bit. It needs to be a bit. There we go. And that's make that a bit square. And holes, we're not really supposed to have holes in our life. Are we supposed to get them healed? So <laughs> what can I do? Okay, here we go. Cut that off. Cut that off. And actually, it would look better if I was square. Cool. Right, I'm going to fit into the jigsaw now. This is my piece. It's perfect. It's got no holes, no bubbles, and it's square. It's a bit like, you know, the cornerstone. It's a bit like a corner. There's only four corners in the jigsaw, but now I'm an extra one. I've got, I can be any corner. What has that done to my jigsaw? Messed it up. Because what? There's going to be a great big hole where this piece is. Well, you won't even fill the hole, will it? We have to believe that God has made us to where we are for a purpose. And we have to believe that where we are, we will fit. And that if I bring what I have, okay, I need to tune up into the Spirit and all those things I've talked about. If, I've, if I'm walking in the Spirit, and I will fit and I will have a part to play. But if I try and sort myself out, I'm going to mess it all up and um, cause there to be a, a big hole. It's actually, um, I was thinking, <laughs> sorry, no, I won't even say that because it's not good. <laughs> I have lots of jokes when I'm out preparing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I won't even say it, yeah. So, we tend to think that we don't fit. The enemy tends to lie to us and say, that's true of everybody else. But actually, Olive, you don't fit. You're too loud. <laughs> You're too noisy. <laughs> and what else? You can't play the trumpet. That's a silly one. We, but we, the enemy lies to us and thinks, well, it's true of everyone. You as you are fit. You as you are are part of the harmony that God is building, a temple for his presence. Yeah? So let's embrace who God has made us with all our bubbles and holes. And actually, you can't even see what the picture is. Just two colours. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't see what the picture was. I had to get rid of that piece. I couldn't see what the picture was. But you won't see what the picture is when you're just on your own. You're never meant to be just on your own. You're meant to be part of the whole. You're meant to be bringing, you know, your bit of yellow might add to everybody else's bit of yellow, and all of a sudden there's a flower. Yeah? Or, nicer for me, your bit of blue bobbly stuff together makes those spogs. You know the spogs, the licorice ones? I love those, pink and blue ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? The little bobbles on the outside? Yeah, you might make those. Your, oh, fantastic. That's great. But don't suck them first, though, please. I don't want second-hand ones. Just So... God is building a house with living stones who've been made in a certain way. And their job is to serve others. You know, if you don't feel you're fit, or you think, I don't know what my purpose is, start serving those around you. And then you'll find that you do fit. If you stand there going, I don't fit, I don't fit, I don't fit, you probably won't. But as you start to serve those around you, promote others, 
like I've said, like Barnabas did, like Jonathan did, putting other people's first, you will start to feel... I, you know, um, I, was, um, I was very blessed the other day. I won't mention who it was, because they hate it. But I, I, as you know, I've, I put the chairs out sometimes, well, most weeks. Been doing it since whenever the church started, Mark and I, and whoever helps us. But the other day, I was thinking, I don't really want to put the chairs out today. And, um, but anyway, I came along and put, started to put the chairs out. And someone came up to me with an envelope, gave them to me, Roger, here's an envelope. I said, oh, thank you very much. So I opened the envelope, and it said, Dear Roger, thank you very much for putting the chairs out every week. You're a real blessing. And they gave me a little um, gift card to go to Starbucks. What a blessing. Yeah. That's hearing the Holy Spirit. And that's speaking right into my situation where I was, mind you, I was a little bit fed up again this morning because there weren't many chair putter again this morning. But <laughs> I've got another card, somebody? <laughs> no, but yeah. I also have to deal with my own emotions. But th that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's looking out for one another. You know, we, we were on the street yesterday and it was freezing, wasn't it? We lasted till about, um, we lasted about an hour and a half. Well, actually, Connor, I don't know what time she left, but she was still there chattering when we, when we went. And uh, so Oliver and I went to Starbucks and we had hot chocolate and a panini because someone gave me that. And that so isn't that, that's good, isn't it? So it's encouraging. Not like I encouraged someone once. Um, I was involved in some meetings um, before I was married a long time ago. Before I was mature. And, um, you know, someone was leading worship, and it was a Friday night, and it was going to be Saturday and Sunday. So they, they led worship, and I, I, you did okay. So I said, oh, you did a really good job. They're leading worship. But it's going to be even better tomorrow. Okay. Trouble was, he wasn't leading tomorrow. <laughs> he did give me a very funny look. <laughs> There's me kind of, that was a bit of carnal encouragement. I hadn't actually heard the Holy Spirit. I was just talking out of a good heart to encourage. But, you know, it discouraged him because he thought, he thinks it would be better when I'm not leading. <laughs> so, you know, so let me encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit and encourage one another, promote one another, but make sure you're listening. Don't just give out platitudes because sometimes it will slap you in the face and it's not good. So, I would like now, I've got some jigsaw pieces. Enough for everybody. If you would like to take a jigsaw piece as a declaration that you fit in the body of Christ as a living stone, please feel free to take one. Shall I send them around? Oh, maybe I'll have them at the front. You, you come and get one either, either now or at the end. We're going to sing a, song, a hymn that um, I'd like to, to, to sing just to kind of strengthen what I've been saying. But let me just focus our thinking to say, okay, put your Bibles away quick. And then I'll talk. <laughs> right. All your Bibles away nicely? Yeah, they're good. Um, we are all part of the body of Christ. We're living stones. We have a part to play. We're being made uniquely. I don't want anyone to go away feeling that they're not a part. I don't want anyone to go away feeling they haven't got, they don't know what their role is. I don't want anyone to go away feeling they're not part of us because you are part of us. You're a part of the body. You may move to a different church at times or whatever, 
that's fine. It's been part of the body of Christ. But, but I want everybody to know that they belong. So can we stand, please? And I'll pray. Father, thank you that you love us. You know us individually. You know us perfectly. You made us individually. You made us to be part of your orchestra. You made us to be part of your church, to, 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 to express your heart, to declare your excellencies, and to be part of the uh, body on earth that, that is, a, is a habitation of God. So I just pray and rebuke the lies that have come to people in the past that have said, you're not a part, that have said you don't belong, that have said you haven't got a role. I just rebuke those now in Jesus' name and pray, Lord, that you would establish people in the truth that they are yours. They're living stones. They may look different than others, but that's the whole purpose of them being alive, to be different, to fit the place that you've got for them. So, Holy Spirit, help us now to, uh, to recognize that and to be free of the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen.